This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. Good evening to everyone who is joining us from Sydney and also from around the world for this wonderful podcast of Ultimate Global Podcast. And today we are discussing about a topic which is definitely not only popular in the Nordic, but it's talked about around the world that why Scandinavian countries are considered to be the happiest in the world. What's the reason behind that? Is it the better quality of life or is it because that they have less political issues, less geopolitical issues, or is it because that there is something in in the way they live uh, in their culture that makes them happier than other countries? Now, to discuss this, we have got the business development or sales specialist from Lead Feeder. Uh, his name is Karan Kosla, and he is currently he has been born and brought up in uh, Denmark, one of the Nordic countries. So, welcome to today's podcast, Karan. And I would be I would be looking forward to hearing some insights from you on this topic, mm-hmm. uh, just to provide you an insight and just for uh, the reference of my audience that even I have stayed in Finland three years back on a five-month student exchange program. So I'm looking forward to this discussion where both of us can bring some insights uh, to this topic. To fir- so first of all, Karan, I want to know from you uh, your general views because you have been born and brought up in Denmark. What do you feel is the real reason uh, that the Scandinavian countries always rank in the top three or four countries as the happiest countries in the world? Yeah, it's a it's a good question and... Um... It's a question where you also have to sometimes take into consideration like the sort of the negative sides or the things that are not talked about. So if I can, I can start answering your question by focusing on the positives. So I think there's a lot of social equality. Um, so there's not too many of the uber rich and powerful at the very top and then very, very poor people at the bottom. There's sort of a social cohesion, which is very good in the middle. And because of this social quality also allows for some social mobility. So you can change uh, in between the different social classes, which it's not really a class-defined system in Denmark anyway, but what there is, you can actually move between. And that also leads to a lot, a big sense of social responsibility. So, for example, in Denmark, we have a very high tax rate. I think most people are paying around about 45% in tax. And in some other countries, that may not be acceptable. But in Denmark and a lot of the other Scandinavian countries is accepted. And from that, the government is then able to provide a lot of services. So we say we have free healthcare and free university even and free schooling and, and a, a lot of free services. They are paid through the tax system, but they are free in the sense that you don't actually individually have to go and pay anything when you go to the doctor or the hospital or to university, which is a big difference from other countries. And that allows for, um, that allows for, I think, a lot of happiness and, and a lot of sort of opportunities in society. I think that's a very valid point, Karan, that you raised. One point is social security. Even when I was in Finland, I saw mm-hmm. that this is a common phenomena for the government to provide uh, free education, free health for a for a person who is coming from an Indian background where we have never seen such kind of a situation where education is free and health is free and that is of really good quality was a bit surprise for me because back in our countries, especially in South Asian countries, you have to really struggle a lot to you know get to a good private school and 
get that kind of education especially if you don't have enough funds and if your parents cannot afford uh, your studies and you are entering into a government school definitely government schools in most of the states are not funded especially uh, you know except one or two of the states now we see uh, possibly states like delhi where uh, a model has been implemented similar to the scandinavian countries which mm-hmm. has been you know kind of uh, under controversy as well because um the size of the population is pretty large in india so implementing a freebie kind of a model in india might not be feasible in the long run is what is questioned by a lot of people but then um i think the delhi government has posed their own arguments where they say that uh if the corruption is reduced which is also a major concern and which is kind of a direct symbol or direct sign of what i see in finland and scandinavian countries as well uh, if you look at the uh, reports which is the transparency index report all the corruption report in yeah. that also in that also the least corrupt countries are the scandinavian countries correct so that right. kind of points out that kind of points out to the symbol that if you are able to reduce corruption and spend the taxpayers money in the right direction you can in fact do a lot of good things isn't it karan Yeah, I think so and 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 Denmark and I believe your your neighboring country New Zealand as well they were ranked uh, number 1 in the anti-corruption index as well. And I do think that having low levels of corruption so the money the tax money is actually spent on on things for the citizens is a very important aspect in this. And I you can add to that in Denmark you also have a very sort of strong sense of um like it's it is a patriotic society it is a society that is very proud and it's also a very homogenous society so um the population size is very small uh, religiously and ethnically and socially and cult- uh, culturally it's a very homogenous society which i think made it easier for the sort of welfare state that we're talking about to emerge i don't think it's necessarily to have a welfare state but maybe for the emergence of one it's a, it was very important and you know you shouldn't take away from the larger countries especially countries like india which have all the potential but you the emergence of a welfare state is going to be much more difficult because you have a thousand or a thousand or millions time more people you know in your country and the population density is also much higher so it's it's going to be much much harder but hopefully not impossible absolutely and now also talking about other parameters current uh, other than the social security and corruption if you look at the cultural differences between nordic countries and other countries mm. one of the major differences which definitely pops up in everyone's mind is that nordic countries um in nordic countries you will find people uh, are not focusing on features like competition which is quite predominant in countries like if you go to united states or you go uh, to united kingdom yeah. so competition amongst people is quite high um the work life balance because of which kind of diminishes because everybody yeah. is trying to compete against each other and they are trying to earn more money the focus is towards earning more rather than living a better quality of life in turn and that kind of also impacts the happiness whereas in countries uh in the nordic people are focusing more towards a better quality of life people say that after 4 or 5 i'll turn off my laptop sorry please contact me on monday so that's the kind of difference i see uh, do you also see that as a major differentiator yeah so we have this sort of this law it's a it's an unwritten law actually in denmark a social law call it that called jentelon um and it's sort of um a social code 
that says that nobody should feel like they're better than anybody else. And it, it's criticized a lot because people says it keeps people down. But it, from the other side, it's seen as a positive thing because it makes people not so competitive or people not arrogant is maybe the better word, um, that that nobody, you're not better than somebody else, um, that we're all sort of part of a whole and we have to uh, live as sort of this communal spirit. I think sort of if we also focus on the other side of that you know one of the differences between for example india and the us which are i would say very very hyper competitive societies is the level of entrepreneurship is also higher i think in these countries so yes we have this benefit of happiness and i would take that over the other thing but you also see most of like for example the tech startups and entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirits are not coming from our countries. We do have some, I shouldn't undersell either. We have some very good and global and big companies. For example, what's the big tech startup from uh, from Europe? Just uh, Spotify is the biggest one uh, I can think of. And there's not that many other on that level, at least. So I think there's the both sides of the coin when we're talking about com being competitive. But yes, definitely to answer your question, there is a higher sense of don't feel like you're better than somebody else. And we're in this together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think entrepreneurship is something which you have correctly touched based upon. A lot of entrepreneurs, uh, that's why they generally come from India because mm. they have gone through that rigor, that struggle of, you know, competing against so many people. And when they go abroad to countries like USA, uh, you will see that a lot of people in that Silicon Valley are um, from the South Asian background and mm. who eventually turn out to be CEOs or CFOs of uh, companies like Google yeah. or Microsoft, Microsoft or any of those companies, you will see a lot of Indians, a lot of people from South Asia in that background. Another point that I want to touch base upon, and that is for sure, because Karan, you are coming from an international affairs background, yeah. is the, the geopolitical scenario. Now, I know that uh, in cases of United States, United States has got a lot of geopolitical situations going on in the Middle East, in the South Asia um, or even in, you know, what's happening now in Russia. Um, similarly, for countries uh, in Europe, in the Central Europe also, I think there is there has been some sort of uh, geopolitical scenarios building up. Not now, but, you know, because of the situation in the past, we always see some things happening. And even in South Asia, the kind of uh, relationship is sh that is shared between India and Pakistan or India and Bangladesh uh, it's 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 known to everyone, you know, what happened after the partition. It's the 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 the, the post effects of the partition are somehow still there uh, yeah. in the South Asian culture as well. But somehow the Nordic countries uh, are staying away from it. Uh, we see that oh. they are not much affected by the geopolitical scenario of what is happening around the world. Though recently I have heard that uh, Russia might target. Uh, as uh, you know, Finland as their next target if they consider to join the NATO. So what do you think about this geopolitical scenario affecting the happiness yeah. of Nordic countries? Um, so the the geopolitical situation of the Nordic countries is, is interesting because it's a bit different. Uh, so Denmark and Norway are in one side and then Sweden and, for example, Finland in, in another side because the policy of Sweden has been one of neutrality. It was a neutral country, for example, during uh, World War II, where and is not a member of NATO. And now there is Finland, as as far as I, if I, 
history is correct. And they're, both of these countries are now thinking of joining NATO. Swedish prime minister has been out saying that um, they will not do that. And Finland, uh, the Finnish president was visited Biden in the US and uh, their sort of common consensus is over 50%. The last polls I read that they want to join NATO. Denmark, however, Danish security has been NATO. So Denmark has been a very active uh, member of NATO during the, for example, Iraq war. It had per capita the same amount of casualties as the U.S. It was very active in in, in the fighting uh, and just recently has now increased the spend to 2% of GDP, which is what NATO uh, once commits its countries to spend on the military. So Denmark is very geopolitically involved. It just is not directly. It's through NATO and through the U.S. So it's it stayed in sort of geopolitical uh, conflicts through that. However, there has not been geopolitical conflicts in the region. And I think those are due to two reasons. First of all is the EU and sort of um, the common European framework under it or the European economic area for Norway has led to a lot of peace. The second thing is the emergence of democracies has meant that there's sort of something called democratic peace theory in international relations, which is that two democracies don't really ever go to war. Um, and, you know, if you count Russia as a democracy, I guess they went to war with Ukraine, but um, I think most people would not. So I think those are sort of the different factors, the, the European Union and the NATO and the common security alliances, which has meant there hasn't been a geopolitical struggle. Plus, these countries are quite similar. They're quite similar in history. They used to be like uh, India and, and the surrounding countries in the Indian subcontinent. They were once one country, but there hasn't been these ethnic and religious conflicts which have caused a problem. And then the countries have remained fairly stable democracies, whereas, in, for example, the case of Pakistan, they have some problems with the military rule versus the governmental rules versus religious struggles where India has tried to remain very secular. And now maybe there's an increase in, in Hindu nationalism. And I'll get into too much of the politics, but I think those are some of the factors which can cause geopolitical uh, struggle or conflict. Yeah, I think th uh, these are really great insights, Karan, that you just shared. Um, I know that we are running short of time and you have got some other stuff as well. But sure. one last question, one last yeah. question before we end today's podcast will be towards this fact that what can be some of the learnings, uh, you know, some of the top two or three learnings which other countries can take from Nordic countries uh, in terms yeah. of not mixing religion with politics. I think that's one of the important points. When you try mixing religion and politics and mix it with a geopolitical scenario, it yeah. kind of um, it kind of diminishes the main development concerns, right? Then the politic politicians or the governments can always win elections uh, over religion rather than uh, asking for votes in the name of corruption, in the name of yeah. development. Because when you start focusing on corruption, development, uh, that's the time, and social security, that's the time when the when when you can really focus on main issues and the and and you can get the people out of poverty if you can get them educated you can get them out of poverty they will themselves find good jobs isn't it yeah hopefully at least that's the hope right um so that's a very very difficult question 
because there's, and I always try to say this to people, there's two, two factors to consider here. One is um, for the social welfare state. One is the emergence of it, and the other one is the maintenance of it, right? So I think what has been the case for Denmark and for many of the sort of the Scandinavian countries is from a religious perspective, Scandinavia is a Protestant, so it's, it's a Christian Protestant uh, nation. So within Christianity, you have, for example, the Catholics and, um, and the Orthodox, and these are what I would say more political and more like stronger uh, religions, whereas Protestants is a little bit more loose. There's uh, an easier way to separate church and state. Max Weber, one of uh, a German uh, sociology sociologist, one of the sort of founder fathers of sociology, according to some, he sort of wrote about this that um, that he he thought his theory was that because of the nature of what Protestantism was that is going to be more successful than for example the catholic christians out in the world so i think in denmark what has happened is you've been able to separate church and state there has not been that much religious competition so there's been one dominant religion um and that religion itself was not uh, so so religious i would argue and therefore church and state were separated um and um, a secular sort of culture emerged and that led to a lot of success. And I would say actually India should also get more credit than it gets. It's been a fairly secular country for a lot of its history since uh, since independence and since Nero and, and whatnot. If you look at another country like Turkey, which also with Ataturk had a lot of history of being secular and secularizing and then now under the latest government uh, has been taking some steps back, you could say. I think India has done fairly well until until recently. So it's not easy. It's very, very, very hard to decouple religion. It's very hard in India's case because of the ethnic makeup and how many different religions there are, and especially the two biggest religions in India have had historically some, some, some conflicts between them, I would say are very political in nature, the religions themselves, which would ca cause problems down the road. So what you can do is you can hope that maybe more and more of the population turns uh, atheist or at least become nominally religious. Nominally uh, means that uh, they are adherents to a religion, but they don't necessarily believe everything within the religion um, or that there's some sort of peace that comes between uh, the, the different religions. And I think your best bet is uh, secularizing becoming more atheist and becoming more nominally religious. That's my stance. Thank you so much, Karan, for sharing your insights. And I think this was a really great discussion uh, to exactly understand and go to the core root of understanding why Scandinavian countries are actually happier than other countries. I'm mm. sure that uh, there might be a lot of other insights when we share this sure. episode with people uh, to understand what they feel. So thank you so much for participating, uh, Karan. I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. I did. This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney.